0: Welcome to the Ridley College Chapel podcast. Our mission is to equip men and women for God's mission in a rapidly changing and increasingly complex world. For more information, visit ridley.edu.au. It's great to be with you uh, again, sharing in the ministry of the Word, continuing to look at the Gospel of Luke, which is great because we're exegeting Luke in uh, one of my morning classes as we come to our time in... The gospel according to Luke, let's pray. Lord, give us illumination and understanding to grasp the meaning, the truth, the command of your word. And let us have the courage to put into practice the exhortations that our Lord Jesus himself puts upon us. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from among the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Amen. Uh, all of my sermons start off with one of two things. Either an illustration from Les Mis or recounting something that happened to me in the army. Uh, today, it's another one of the army things. Um, I, I learned another good, a number of good skills in the army. Uh, one, how to kill people. Uh, two, how to do really good PowerPoint presentations. Uh, three, how to kill people with PowerPoint presentations. Uh, and third, I actually learned a lot about leadership. Because uh, the army is very big on training leaders and you know some people are just natural leaders, some people are gifted, but how do you take people who are not natural leaders and teach them to lead? How do you teach people to teach? That kind of a thing. And I, I, I learned that one of the, one of the st- tasks of leadership is to make your goals the goals of the people who work for you or, 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 or inspire them or motivate them. So the things that they consider important and vital and excited about are your goals. You know, whether that's, you know, whether it applies to business or ministry or the military, I think that applies. You want to inspire people with a vision to achieve something. You can do that a number of ways. And it normally comes down to one or two things: carrot and stick. It's <laughs> usually the way it ends, it ends up. Um, if you've ever come to me for pastoral counseling, uh, for reasons I would only assume would be out of a morbid curiosity. <laughs> you would know I basically have two lines of um, I- encouragement. Um, it's usually something like, you got this. You know, if you're feeling insecure, you're unsure, you know, it's like, like you got this. You know, God is with you, you got this. Or if you're complaining to me about how your essay is really eating into your Xbox time, uh, you'll get a slightly different response uh, based on, around the word something like harden up. Okay, or get some perspective, you know, or, take, you know, or take life a bit more seriously, or, or, or something like that. But there is a real place for when you're trying to motivate and inspire people, not giving them the encouragement, but laying before them uh, a, a bit of a rebuke or a solid challenge. And, and I can think of, of a number of times in history where this has happened to, to great effect. Uh, if you know anything about the unification of Italy... Um, the, the, uh, the Italian um, soldier, Giuseppe Garibaldi, uh, was able to unify um, Italy with a very small rag tag army. And he was able to defeat uh, military forces across Italy that were way smaller than his own because he was able to motivate and inspire his troops to great acts of endurance and great acts of courage. And, and this was his recruitment ad. I offer neither pay nor quarters nor provisions. I offer hunger, thirst, forced marches, battles, and death. But let him who loves his country with his heart and not with his lips come and follow me. I mean, it's not your average army recruitment ad that looks like a weekend of adventure training. Okay, This is different. Or another uh, example I find, this. I heard this recently, um, how Bruce Lee inspired Jackie Chan to become a better martial artist slash actor. I mean, the two of them would go jogging and, 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 if, and, and Bruce Lee, who was like super fit and he would just keep going faster and faster and Jackie Chan couldn't keep up. And Jackie Chan one day said, Bruce, you have gotta stop. If we run any faster, I'm gonna die. And Bruce Lee turned around and said, well, you might as well die. And Jackie Chan was after a little bit sad. He said, well, why would you say that to me? And Bruce Lee said, if you put limits on yourself, you might as well be dead because you're going going nowhere. And those limits are going to tarnish everything, your work, your morality, your entire being. You can't live your life with limits. If you do, you might as well be dead. And that had a big influence on on, on Jackie Chan. It it, it changed him to become a, a, a person who did improve himself. In this passage, we see Jesus laying down what we could call our strenuous demands a very high bar for authentic discipleship we see Jesus doing what the great Australian philosopher and theologian Scott Harrower has called hard things yes I remember your sermon Scott that's good and that's what that's what he gets people to do so so ha- have a look so yet these three would-be disciples Okay, some are volunteers and some are recruits. The first one comes to Jesus and he's a a volunteer. They're on the road and he comes up to Jesus and says, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus turns around and tells him, so great. But just, just so you know what the deal is, he says, you know, foxes have dens, birds of the sky have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. In other words, Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you're following a guy who's basically homeless. Yeah, I don't know where I'm, putting my bed, where I'm putting my head down to sleep tonight. Could be in someone's barn, could be in an inn, someone in their home. You want to come and join me, you have to join the ranks of the disinherited, the dispossessed. Okay, okay? We, we are not acquiring capital in this journey, if, if you know what I mean. You, you, you have to be willing to embrace that as the criteria for following me. If you really want to follow me in the way, on the road, this is what it looks like. You'll probably be sleeping under the stars. Now, I don't know about you. I don't, I mean, I've slept under a lot of stars. I've slept in mud, in pouring rain. I do not like it. I don't want, when I sleep under the stars, I only want to sleep under five now with a nice walk-in bathroom, clean towels, and a couple of mint chocolates on my bed. That's the five stars I like to sleep under these days, but Jesus challenged him he says look yeah this is this is not going to be luxurious this is not going to be uh I, I i i i idyllic okay this is going to be hard. he's offering homelessness and hunger. this is not what you you put on job descriptions if you want to attract the best now we don't know what the man's response is, maybe he said actually uh." A bed and a pillow stands pretty good now. I'll follow you from a nice safe distance. But that's what people, people we can be like that. We want to we save, follow Jesus as long as we remain comfortable. Okay, we, we, we like our comforts. Now that can be like living close to where your family is. That's a comfort, it's an, it's an advantage. Being in an area that you want to live in. Okay, Not having to, to bear any needless burden. We, we love comfort, don't we? We love comfort, a little bit of luxury, okay? But that, that can be something that inhibits us in following Jesus. We follow him to the point that we are comfortable. But when we become uncomfortable, our motivation in discipleship can quickly fade. But then we have a, uh, a second person uh, this time whom Jesus attempts to confront, okay? Um, he goes up to another one. He gives this command like he does to others, like to, to Matthew or, or to Peter. He, he just gives them an abrupt, arresting command that he, that he somehow made and was so hypnotic and magnetic and drew people to him. Jesus says, follow me. Uh, but this guy, he, he's sympathetic. He says, Lord, he said, first, let me bury my father. Now, this is an honorable thing to do. Now, we don't know whether his father is on his deathbed or more likely he's got to wait for his father to pass away. But, you know, it's, it's right, it's proper, it's respectful to look after your parents, you know, to honor them. And so, th- th- this was a very reasonable condition that this man could make um, in, his, in his desire to answer positively the question. But notice what Jesus says. He told him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you, and go, you go and spread the news of the kingdom of God. It's a bit harsh, isn't it, Jesus? You know, the guy just wants to bury his father. You know, love, his, love, his, love your parents. I mean, that's, that's in the Bible, isn't it? Now, what, what's going on here? Now, I don't think Jesus is saying loving your parents is a bad thing. Okay. He's not saying that you, you have to um, completely divorce yourself or separate from your parents or mistreat them as a proof that you're really an authentic disciple. This is all about conflicting priorities. So yes, honoring your parents is good. Burying your parents is a good thing. But at this point, there is a greater imperative and that is the kingdom of God. So this is what happens when two good imperatives collide You have to reason through it, and you understand why one takes priority. So yes, honoring your parents is good, but there is a greater thing at the moment, and that is the kingdom of God. It's on the horizon. Jesus is traveling around Judea and Galilee, proclaiming, embodying, announcing, declaring, enacting the kingdom of God, Okay, bringing life in the face of death. That is more important than the death of your father. So let the dead bury their own dead and you come and follow me. And that is the challenge that Jesus puts upon us. Are we willing to follow him even if it means rupturing some of our own relationships? Some of you may have already experienced this. Becoming a Christian may have been a great cost for you. It may have uh, changed or altered or negatively affected when you come to faith or when you when you left a career and d- decided to study for the ministry or to go in the mission field you would had friends and family question the wisdom of your destruction and in certain cultures this can be far more of an issue than others when i told my parents i had become a christian they looked at me with stunned wonder and confusion and they just rolled their eyes and said it was a fad I was going through. A fad that's been going now for 25 years. I'd say it's more of a habit, hopefully a destiny. He said the Lord, when I told them I was resigning from the army, I was told I was making a monumental mistake, giving up a promising military career to go to Bible college. Uh, but I believe the Lord's blessed me in that decision. I've ended up in the wonderful place at Ridley doing something I love, something I can't imagine not doing. I love being here with you in this, this ministry of work and word. But it's, it's, it affects relationships and it can affect your relationships. In fact, you've probably already experienced some of that, that now. There is that cost to discipleship and it will cost the relationships around you. Then we have a, a, a second person, this one who comes to Jesus. Um, he, he says, Lord, I will, I will follow you, but let me first go, go say goodbye to those in my house. Or I think it was some translations there I may say back to, to, my, to my parents. I mean, this sounds reasonable. I think even Elijah allowed Elisha. What does that translation say? Say goodbye to my family. Um Elijah allowed Elisha to go back and say farewell to his parents, and Jesus won't even let him do that. That's, that's, that sounds a bit harsh, doesn't it? Like I said, these are strenuous commands, uh, and, and in the ancient context, you, you really couldn't abandon or, or just run off without normally getting the permission or at least leaving a note of some kind to your to your family, because you know you had obligations. Okay. Um, Look at Jesus' response, and this this is real harsh. Um, He says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit or is worthy for the kingdom of God. You know, having second thoughts or trying to elevate a a condition or making another priority somewhat disqualifies you, Jesus says, for participation in the service of God. Of the kingdom of God. Uh, he wants people who are fully committed. Uh, the best example I can give that you know you know the mutiny of the Bounty. Who was the name of the guy who led that? The mutiny on the Bounty. It was the. Um... William or something. Why? Why? Christian yeah, Christian Fletcher. Uh, when they take the ship, they get to the island. What does Fletcher do with the boats? Burn. Yeah. Burns them. Now, why would you do that? Because everyone is now motivated. <laughs> to the new survival project of creating a new society, because there is no exit. There is now only one option. Uh, the, The bridge back, the boat back, has been burned. Now, I don't know, I think Jesus necessarily wants us to burn bridges to family and things like that, but he wants us to metaphorically burn our boats. So we are fully, unflinchingly, unswervingly completely, utterly committed to the kingdom, okay? There is no looking back. There is no saying, well, you know, maybe life in Egypt wasn't too bad after all, okay? Now, he wants people who are all in, okay? And that you could, you could summarize this passage as saying Jesus wants followers, not fans, okay? And if we had, if we had to bring all of this, to a summary, I think we would say discipleship okay, is for people who are committed to the Lord Jesus, his, his mission, his kingdom. But the danger is we can sometimes be committed to discipleship only to the point of convenience. And I think that if, there, if there is a, a crisis of discipleship, in, in our own culture, is that we're, we're committed to the point of discipleship, not to the point that it costs us anything. Okay, now we can be like that when we add conditions on our service Lord, I will serve you if you provide me with a great spouse, I will serve you if. The salary is exactly this level. If I can live in this certain area, if I can stay in this state, if I can remain with this local church or this... When we add conditions, if, that is looking back from the plow. That is saying, Lord, let me first. Or Lord, I will follow you if or but or on condition that. And that's acting more like a follower Um, than a fan. Now, I'll I'll assume here I'm speaking largely to the converted. The fact that you're here suggests to me you have decided to bear some of the cost of discipleship. Um, I know this because I work with the registry that send out the literal bills for your theological education. (laughs) I know the hex debt you are racking up. Okay, I know you are literally paying the cost of your discipleship financially. I know many of you have given up terrific careers, okay? I don't know why, but we have a weird amount of physios (laughs) at Ridley College. I think it's now part of the career path. (laughs) Go to Melbourne Uni, do your physio, three years, come to Ridley. It seems to be like the normal progression of physio. And some of you have, 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 have paid, you've given up that good career, okay? You've given up opportunities, you've paid that price. You are actually not like these three people. You have not put conditions on your service. You said, Lord, I'm available. Use me, take me, send me, search me, break me, put me back together and let me serve you because you are the greatest thing in the world. I want to make much of. That's great for you. So golfers clap from Mike Bird. Well done to you. But let me give you a warning. As you go into service, whether that's, you know, just in your local church helping out, pastoral ministry, on the mission field, there's going to be a moment, I promise you, where you will look back from that plow and you will say to yourself, gosh, I miss physiotherapy. Physiotherapy was never this hard. Okay? Or it could be it could be anything. Wherever, wherever you're working, whatever you're doing, it's like, oh... There's more more available men back in Melbourne than there are here where I am. Or it could be, there'll be a moment where you say that and you think that. What you have to do at that time, I believe, is just don't forget your first love. Remember what brought you to the point where you said, yes, I want to set aside the worldly trinkets, the career ambition. I want to die to the world and live and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And if there's one maxim, I will leave it it to you. Is there are moments where you will be weary in the work of the kingdom. You will be fatigued in your compassion in your strength, in your energy, you will be taxed like you cannot believe. There is a big burnout rate for clergy and missionaries. And in some cases from the entire Christian life, there is big burnout. But what I advise you to do in that moment is to pray the words, Lord, I am weary in your work, but I am not weary of it. And make sure you can find times of refreshing and renewal. So you can can rekindle that love. Keep the fire. Keep the passion. Keep following Jesus in the way, in the way of the kingdom. So you can say to your Lord, I'm not a fan. I'm truly a follower, Lord. Take me with you. On that note, let's pray. Now, Heavenly Lord, we, uh, we thank you that you invited us to participate in your kingdom mission, to, to, to build your church, to send the gospel into all the world, to bring light in the darkness, life where there is death, justice where there is evil, and hope where there is despair. Lord, we pray we would be your vessels in that task, going out in your name, in the power of the Spirit, giving glory to the Father. We pray, Lord, our our discipleship would be real, it would be authentic, Lord, and we would cling to you like we cling to life itself. Keep us in your faithfulness, Lord Jesus, and help us along the way when we are prone to turn back to wander away, keep us faithful to you, O faithful one. And we pray this to the God of our Saviour, Jesus Christ, the Father, the hope of the ages, the eternal, the immutable, and the faithful God, in the name of his Son, Amen. Thank you.